On this episode of Too Many Books, we share our first ever author interview. Wes McAdams joins us to talk about his new book, Beyond the Verse, What I Discovered Reading the Bible One Book at a Time. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Too Many Books podcast. Uh, this week we've got uh, an interesting treat. We don't have Jack Dodgen with us uh, this time, but we're doing our first interview, uh, author interview in the podcast history. And so uh, today we're interviewing Wes McAdams about his new book, Beyond the Verse, what I discovered reading the Bible one book at a time. Wes is the preaching minister at the McDermott Road Church of Christ in Plano, Texas. Uh, and of course, uh, I'm sure every one of our listeners is well familiar with RadicallyChristian.com. Uh, Wes, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. All right, I want to start just with the approach of this book. Uh, this started out as a blog series, uh, right? right? And, and yep. Uh, the first time you put it out, I thought this is one of the coolest. I love this idea. I love the, uh, the what you're getting at with it. And so explain the approach behind Beyond the Verse. Okay. Well, yeah, it all started. In fact, it's funny how it all kind of came together. It, it started with my reading plan in 20, I guess that would be 2018, 2018. Yeah. Um, so in 2018, I, I, I decided for my Bible reading plan for the year, I was going to read through um, every book of the Bible in one sitting. So I would sit down and obviously it starts out more intimidating than it ends. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, so sitting down with Genesis in one chunk in one day, uh, takes about four or five hours. So, uh, just devoting a day basically, uh, or a morning to, to reading that one book. And so, so I did that. And after I read Genesis, I thought, you know, I should probably, cause I told people on the blog that I was going to do that. Um, and then I decided after the fact, I guess I'll sort of write down a few, uh, takeaways, a few thoughts that I had after I had read through the book. Um, and then somebody said, well, I hope that you're going to do this with every one of the the books that you read. And I thought, well, I hadn't thought about it, but that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And it really helped me to process my reading each time. And so every time I'd read a book, um, I would just sit down and, and say, you know, here are some of the themes and here's some of the big ideas, some of the things that you might miss if you just read verses here and there, or if you just read it a chapter at a time. Um, so here's sort of the big picture view of this book. Um, and so I would do that through each book. And then I had several people say, well, I, I hope that you will publish this as a, a printed book when you're done with it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I hadn't thought about it, but that's a good idea. And so again, uh, the readers sort of encouraged me to do that because they wanted them, you know, all together in one place. And uh, so I really hope that that it's helpful to people as they, the, the main thing is just encouraging people to do the same thing, to sit down with each book of the Bible and to read it in one sitting uh, or as in as short a period of time as possible and really look for the big themes and the big ideas, try to follow the author's train of thought as they read through the book rather than just reading verses or reading chapters at a time. Right. I, I want to read this quote. Uh, I think this is the opening quote of the book. Uh, he said, Like many Christians, I used to think of the Bible as a large collection of verses. If a person wanted to know the truth about any given subject, all he or she had to do was find the right verses that spoke to that issue. In other words, the Bible was sort of like a dictionary or an encyclopedia of religious stories and ideas. I think that's exactly how the Bible is generally taught. Um, I, I'm fully in agreement that uh, that it, it, it was meant to be read in big chunks. Mm -hmm. One of the both best and worst things to happen to us was chapters and verses, right? Right, right absolutely. Um, one thing, and you go right into this in Genesis, is what the Bible's not about, right? We yeah. we think it's about getting to heaven. Uh, right. Uh, that might be shocking to somebody to hear you say it's not necessarily about that. If you want to uh, 
talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's you know, and and it's not even about personal salvation. Yes, it it mm-hmm. ends up you know applying to that for sure, and that that ends up being. Um, you know, as an individual, my big takeaway from it is how do I become a part of of what the Bible is talking about? Um, but the Bible is this story of, you know, when you put it all together, and I always tell people the Bible isn't a book. It's it's actually a library mm-hmm. of, I, I like to tell people it's a library of prophetic books about God and being his covenant people. So it's it's really about God rescuing humanity. It's about God redeeming and rescuing his creation. And, and yes, um, God individually justifies me when I come to faith in Jesus. Um, but it's not, it's not about uh, just about, you know, how do I go to heaven when I die or something like that. It's about this story of God uh, bringing together and collecting a people for himself, his covenant people that begins with Israel. And then the blessings of covenant membership pour out to all of humanity in Jesus. And so it's this this cosmic, epic, huge worldwide story that spans the ages. And when we make it about sort of proof texting and you know figuring out how do how do I get saved, and we just sort of put it on this individual level, we it, to say we water it down would probably be an understatement. Uh, but we do we really uh, do ourselves and do the scriptures a disservice when we sort of look at it like an encyclopedia of how to how to get saved. I love it. That, that's great. That's exactly, uh, you know, what the Bible should be. It's so much more humbling that way, right? You know, when we right. when we come to it, and you know, of course, the the biggest examples we talk about a lot are Philippians four thirteen, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, some of those proof texts, right? That say right. we're the center of this. It's about God's plan for our life, you know, individually. And so, yeah. um, uh, going through, uh, you know, what are some themes? What are some things that you know, as you said, the big picture story is God redeeming a people, God redeeming the earth rather than God and me. But yeah. um, what are other themes, thoughts, maybe proof texts that, that have been messed up that, that you realize by going through it this way? Yeah, I think I think even that word that you said, redeem and redemption, I think sometimes we misunderstand what that means. You know, I think we always, and I, I, I did this, you know, I put it in terms of the way we might use redeem. Um, or other contexts that we might think about redemption. So we think about um, sort of God buying something or buying someone. And so we tend to think about God purchasing me. You know, he redeemed me. And what we mean by that is Jesus died on the cross for me so that I could be purchased by God. Uh, But again, it's so much bigger than that. And when you think about redemption, we have this especially the first five books of the Bible, these first five books, the Torah, uh, the Pentateuch, they really lay out the story and these archetypes, these pictures of how how these terms and ideas and themes will continue to play out through the rest of Scripture. So when you think about redemption, it's about God bringing people home, really. Um, the whole Bible is about exile and then and then return from exile. Uh, so in the very beginning, of course, you have Adam and Eve, and they're exiled from the garden. They, they have this sort of garden temple home, a place that's 
God is there and man is there and they're in this perfect paradise. Uh, but because of sin, they're, they're banished, they're exiled from the garden. Um, and so that becomes the story of all humanity, that they're banished or exiled. Well, eventually, God brings one family back from exile, and he brings the, the children of Abraham mm-hmm. out of exile and back into the promised land. And so all of Israel sort of becomes this new version of the garden. It's kind of the garden 2.0. And so he brings Israel back into not only a covenant relationship with himself, but brings them back into a land that, you know, we know it says a land flowing with milk and honey. It's this image of this paradise. And so God brings them back in um, and he exiles the Canaanites who live there uh, because they've sinned. And so he exiles the Leviticus and uh, the other books of the the Pentateuch say that, that the land is vomiting the people out. And so they're exiled and the people of Israel are brought in. But of course, they end up eating the fruit, you know, so to speak. They end up sinning and rebelling against God. And so again, they're exiled and they're kicked out of the paradise. They're kicked out of um, the the land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, But then the prophets lay out how uh, there's going to be another return from exile. And, And you might get to like Ezra and Nehemiah and think, well, that's the answer. That's when they come back from exile. But if you read again as a whole books, then you see that even Ezra and Nehemiah both say, you know, the exile isn't over. Even though they've come home, home is not paradise. It's not what they were looking for. It's not what all the prophets promised, that there there has to be some figure who's going to come and who's going to change people's hearts mm-hmm. uh, so he can bring about the paradise and he can bring people into the paradise of God. Um, and so they, they continue, the Old Testament ends with these sort of hanging promises of there's this figure, this king, this prophet, this redeemer, who's going to come and and gather up the exiles, the exiles not only of Israel, but the exiles of all all of humanity, all of Adam, Adam's sons and daughters, uh, and bring them all into uh, into the garden. And so there's this this constant theme of garden or paradise and exile because of sin, and then redemption in being brought back. And so even like the redemption laws um, in in the Torah that talk about. Um, you know, this this piece of land, if, Jack, if you lived there and, and you were one of the, the people of a certain tribe and you were given this plot of land, then it was your family's land in perpetuity. And of course, if you, if something happened and you went into debt and your land ended up getting sold off, you could have someone, this is what the book of Esther is all about, of course. Um, and so you, or not Esther, but but Ruth. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you have Ruth and Naomi, and Naomi's land has been purchased by somebody else, and so she doesn't have her land. And then Boaz, this kinsman redeemer, comes and redeems her, her family, and allows her to come back to the land that was hers. Um, and so that's what the whole Bible is about. It's about how Jesus is the kinsman redeemer who comes and not only redeems the people of Israel, but also all of Adam and e- Adam's sons and daughters um, and brings the, 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 the remnant and the nations to God and brings them back from exile. And that's you know with something you're getting at there with the the Jesus theme is one of the other things about the book that that you did so well is you know it, it's easy for us to connect the Isaiah prophecies to Jesus it's easy for us to to draw the parallels between the Passover lamb and Exodus but uh, you went to basically every book in the Old Testament and said here's where Jesus is in this story here's where Jesus comes through in this uh, some of those we don't 
think about that much. Uh, you know, judges where everything's going wrong. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and through the kings, through Samuel, through uh, a lot of those. You know, even some of the wisdom literature. You, you can kind of lose Jesus and all that. And I think for a lot of us, Christianity can become Jesusless when we get into the proof text. When we get about uh, get into going about proving doctrinal things and, and quoting verses and citing verses. And next thing you know, you know, we haven't heard of a sermon mention Jesus in a month kind of thing. Um, you know, with these Old Testament books, you know, take a book like, let's say, Kings. Um, how does one go about in their reading looking for Jesus in those things? Yeah, I think I think that when you when you follow the whole story and you know, like Samuel and Kings, for instance, and and actually the way that I read through the Old Testament this time followed the Hebrew order of the scriptures right, right. instead of the English order of the scriptures, which actually puts chronicles. Uh, which sort of tells the same story as Samuel, First and Second Samuel, and First and Second Kings. First and Second Chronicles tells the same story, but from a slightly different perspective. Um, and so, when when the writers are going through First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, the story when you read those books together and you see the big picture, the story is how did these kings bring about the fall and the destruction and the exile? So it's sort of again. It's like they're playing out the role of Adam all over again. They're eating the forbidden fruit. Uh, They're doing what they were told not to do. They're breaking the covenant, and it ends in exile. And so when you see that, when you read this whole story, it leaves you longing for a descendant of David to come and be the right kind of a king that's not going to end up in exile, but that's going to end up in redemption. And so when when you read these stories with the, the big picture in mind, then then you you know the right sort of person to be looking for. And you might think every time a good king comes along and you think, Josiah, oh, maybe this is the king, or even way before that, even Solomon, mm-hmm. you know, da- David is gone, you know, David looks so great, and he's a man after God's own heart, but then tragically, he eats the fruit, you know, he sins with Bathsheba, and then everything goes downhill. And then Solomon comes along and the first thing he asks for is wisdom. And you think, yes, this, this is going to be the one. He's going to bring about redemption. Well, he ends up doing the exact same thing and, and he ends up sinning. And the, the fruit that he takes are the, the foreign wives uh, that lead his heart astray. But he also, he accumulates wealth and chariots, things that, that the law had told the kings not to do. And so mm-hmm. they're, the same story is playing out over and over again. And you just keep longing for a, a descendant of David, uh, the, 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 the Messiah, the anointed one, to come and to, to be the right sort of king and do for Israel and do for humanity what none of these kings seem capable of doing. And that's, you know, again, I, I think just so important to see in that, you know, we, we can get so caught in because we, we talked about the proof text versus we get into the stories David and Goliath you know the, the, the judges story Samson and, and Daniel in the lion's den and whatever else and you know it, like like you're saying of reading these all at once you just see the constant rise and fall and the constant mankind is not going to get there and so uh, it's a really great emphasis um, I, as always we don't try and go too long on this show and so I want to uh, spend our last few minutes you said one of the biggest things you wanted to come of this was get other people to read the Bible this way. Um, what's your advice for people who do want to read the Bible this way? I know, like you said, starting out in Genesis when it's a four or five hour time commitment, that might be intimidating. And so maybe what's your process? How do you cut out that time? What, 
how did you do yeah. it? What's your advice? I, I would I would suggest that people sort of whet their appetite. I think you do need to start in the beginning, uh, so it makes it hard, you know, because Genesis is such a big book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whet your appetite with some of the epistles. So I always suggest people start with Ephesians. Mm-hmm. So sit down with Ephesians and just see what happens when you read it in one sitting. Um, even better, see what happens when you read it out loud in one sitting. Um, and you will see things, I promise you, if you've never done it before, I promise you that you will see things you've never seen before. You will see, it will humble you because you'll realize, oh, wow, I've been using this verse to, as ammunition to prove whatever point. And that's really not what Paul was talking about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so take one of those short books, and and even if that seems intimidating, because it, it might seem intimidating even to read through Ephesians or Philippians, I mean, literally, you can read through one of those epistles in 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, it's, it's a very short exercise, and it will whet your appetite for taking on some of these longer books. And then, you know, I mean, yes, it is a huge commitment to sit down for four hours and read a book. So you may not, and there were times I couldn't read a whole book um, in one literal sitting, but I did it all in, in one 24-hour period, so all within one day. Mm-hmm. So you may you may say, okay, I'm going to read the first half of the book in the morning and the second half of the book in the evening, um, or I'm going to read uh, just as big a chunk as I can, and then if I get interrupted, I'll take a little break and I'll come back to it. Um, maybe set it aside for a Saturday. Uh, but you know, I mean, we live in a culture where you know, if if somebody's seen the Avengers, the latest Avengers right. movie, I mean, that was three hours long, and mm-hmm. and we we watch we regularly watch football games and baseball games, basketball games that go three hours, and then we're excited when they go into overtime, and, right. and so you know they go even longer. And so if we could sit down for a to watch a game for three hours then I'm positive we can sit down and read a book for three hours. And, and again, you know, read for three hours, take a break for a little bit, come back to it, um, but try to get it all in in one day. Um, it's just amazing what happens if you can read through a whole book without sleeping in between. We always joke, you know, I've slept since then. Right. Uh, but but it is amazing what happens to us when we sleep, you know, and, and then we come back to it on a different day or even uh, several days later, we sort of forget where we were. We forget that big picture. Again, if you think of it like watching a movie, uh, yeah, you can watch a movie in two different parts, you know, watch half of it one day and then watch the second half the next day. And that's fine. And you can usually continue that. But if you really want to enjoy it, then, then you're going to sit down and watch it in one big chunk if you can. Uh, but if you if you spread it out over a week or two weeks, it's going to be really hard to follow what just happened. You know, if you watch a two-hour movie in 15-minute chunks over the course of several days or weeks, you're probably not going to have a really good picture of what that movie was about. The, the best way to enjoy it, the best way to really understand it is to watch it as in as big of a chunk as you possibly can. Right, that makes sense. You know, like you said about you know TV shows, even week to week, they'll have sometimes that here's what you missed last week or remember yes. this. So yeah, a recap, absolutely. Right. So uh, as much as you can in one 24 hour period, if you can get it done. And so um, yeah. we're gonna stop right there. I had a bunch more questions, but uh, I don't want to take up all your afternoon. I know we we try and keep it to about 20 minutes on this show. And so uh, tell us, it's on Amazon, right? Tell us uh, where we can get the book Beyond the Verse. Right. Yeah, you can go to my blog, radicallychristian.com. Uh, there's a, a, a button for books, and so you can you can go there. Yeah, just find it on Amazon. You can Google it or search for it on Amazon, Beyond the Verse, and 
I'd love for you to check it out. All right, definitely. Uh, I highly recommend anybody take the time to check it out. Uh, grab a copy, Kindle, paperback. Uh, thanks for coming on with us, Wes. I really appreciate it, and I uh, appreciate your book. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it, brother. Books is a strongchurch.org podcast and is available on Apple, Google, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit strongchurch.org for more resources like this one designed to help strengthen your Christian walk.